but yeah, dude, uh, I think that was one. And that's why I'm really excited to have you on this. Cause like, I remember like growing up in school and I was the guy that was real skinny. Shoot, mm-hmm. I'm still like skinnier now, but like trying to get into like bodybuilding and getting muscle. I feel like there was so much misinformation and oh. information. Like I remember being in school and like the way you get big, you do five sets of five and you just eat whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, All right. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, that was stupid. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, there's so much misinformation and you, and, and, that's the crazy thing because even working with clients now, I see how many bad things like people have been told because, you know, I'll have some clients tell me like, oh, well, my bad thing is I, I eat at 8 p.m. And I'm like, that doesn't matter, dude. Like yeah. I eat at 8 p.m. 10. Like your body doesn't know what time of day it is. Your body, like you don't just start storing fat because it's past 6 p.m. Yeah. But people believe these misconceptions or they, they see these things because people are trying to sell a certain product or sell um, a certain type of food or something they use, they, they make or use, you know, that they make money off yeah. of. And so they'll say, oh, you can't do this. You have to live by these rules. And yeah. there's just a lot of like bad, bad information yeah. out there. So that's why I tell people it's good to hire somebody because they can kind of lead you in that right direction, yeah. you know, and not saying that you need that person forever, but they can, you know, steer you in the right direction. Cause I know for me, like we were talking about right now, when I did get started, that was my biggest thing is I wasn't eating when I started. So, yeah. you know, I'm probably ate twice a day when I told some of my clients now, like, Oh yeah, we'll probably do like three meals, two shakes to get you started. And they're like, what? Like they like, like I told Nick, I've been working with Nick yeah. and Nick was like, yeah, I, like I maybe eat twice a day, bro. And to me, I forget that that's normal for most people. But me, I eat like six, seven times. Yeah. Because like I'm just I'm always hungry. Like, yeah. and I'm just so used to it. It's been seven years. You yeah. know. Um. But yeah, even going back to like the, you know, me getting super involved uh, into bodybuilding is then when I went to that first bodybuilding show that was in 2012 at the Fresno Classic, and my dad took me. And, you know, even speaking of pre-workout, he bought me a pre-workout there. I remember I like, it was like the best one at the time. And yeah. like, I really, really want, I'm like, come on, dad, it's on sale. And he's like, all right. And he got me it because everyone was like raving about it in high school. And, um, I remember seeing the guys go on stage and it was, this one men's physique. This was like the first year men's physique was a thing where they wear the board shorts and stuff. Okay. And I saw it and I was like, Oh, I want to do that. Like it just motivated me. So like right from there, like I was full, like forced into it. Like every day, like I would be, if I wasn't at the gym, I would be home eating. And if I wasn't eating, I would be on my phone, either watching some type of video, researching on forums, uh, looking through websites, like just studying, like I was full into it. And then, um, you know, I really, really cared about it. And then I, I think it was probably about a year and that's when I started to prep for my first show um, okay. and I started working at a gym as well so then I'm at a gym so now I'm like kind of in it yeah. and then after I did my first show I got sponsored by a nutrition store at that time okay. um, and then they also opened up a new store so they offered me a job there so since like 17 I've pretty much like been super heavily into working out so that's what I think is cool about bodybuilding is like people are always like amazed by it you know like yeah. you think of like mixed martial arts or you think of like you know football players any type of sport you know it's it, like it obviously there's so many special things about them and so many cool things that people do but with bodybuilding like you're a walking billboard you know like i can be uh when i went to nipsey hustle's store after he died it was like the week after um and i'm walking down the street like people will stop you when you're walking and like just say the funniest things because yeah. like you forget that like you don't look normal to them like you you yeah. you know they they look you know most people there you have an average of what people look like and then yeah. when you do look you know, above that, people will say funny things to you. And it's just, it's weird because I think of me, like, I still think I'm that skinny guy when I was 16 years old. Like, it, you're, you're, you know, uh, you, don't realize, you, don't, you don't realize how much you've changed because yeah. you see yourself every day. So, you know, it's body dysmorphia is definitely a real thing. Like, people talk about anorexia, but as weird as it sounds, bigorexia is even a thing. And yeah. a lot of bodybuilders suffer, suffer from it because you'll see these guys and like, why do they get that big? And it's like, they don't realize they're that big. Yeah. Like, they just, you know, it's still in their head that they're not that guy, you know, yeah. and it's a crazy thing. So, dude, that's real straight up. Like, even me, like, like, I'm not jacked like you at all, but I went from 
about four or five months ago, I got real sick and I dropped to like 120. Okay. And now I'm up like 40 pounds. And that's mm-hmm. when like I messaged you like looking for anything to get in the body boat yeah. to put weight yeah. on. Yeah, for sure. And even now, like I've like probably doubled in size. But to me, like I'll have friends like, oh, you look better. I'm like, I look you still the, feel the I same. I look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like, Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but if you put a side by side picture, then you'll see. And my wife would actually like pull up. She's like, "Can you see mm-hmm. the difference?" I'm like, mm-hmm. "Oh, okay, it mm-hmm. works." Mm-hmm. It's all in your head, and especially because you're always your own worst critic. Like yeah, someone right. like your wife, or uh, with, you know, if your wife tells you like, "Oh, whatever," you're supposed to tell me that. But like, right. you know, I can tell you like, you know, say I see you in three months, and I'm like, "Dang, dude, you look bigger." Like. You're going to be like, that's going to feel good to you because it's someone else pointing it out in yourself. Because we can always see things in other people, but then when you're trying to look at it in yourself, you're always like your own worst critic You're going to criticize, mm-hmm. like, I look good here, but this thing mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. not working. Because I have guys tell me all the time, like, oh, I'm just trying to look like you, bro. I'm just trying to look like you. And I'm like, dude, I'm not like the the goal. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I still have tons of flaws with myself and, and I am hard on myself. But I think a lot of it is we get caught up comparing ourselves to too many people. Like, And I know when I was younger, I did that. Like I would look at a lot of these bodybuilders and compare myself to them like, oh, why don't I look like that? And you have yeah. to understand like genetics is a thing, you know, like some, yeah. like that's why, and I use this example all the time, but that's why I'm not an NBA player. Like I'm not seven feet tall, you know, genetically if I was seven feet tall, I could probably play in the NBA. You yeah. know, most, most guys that are can, um, but if you, you know, there's going to be guys that have better genetics for building muscle, for burning fat, for they're going to have rounder muscle bellies. They're going to have a different look, you know, how much is it genetics in terms of bodybuilding? hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think it's 100% everything. I think it's 100% genetics, 100% training, 100% food, um, 100% supplementation, 100% recovery, all those things. Because, but, but at the end of the – like you look at the top bodybuilders in the world. You look at the top 10 on the Olympia stage. Uh, they all are training – 110%. They all have perfect diets and are working with the perfect coaches. Their supplementation is perfect. Their recovery is perfect. What separates them is their genetics, okay. you know? Because if everything yeah. else is already there, it's already there. Exactly. So, yeah, you can't just yeah. you can't just say, oh, that guy just looks good because of his genetics. I'm, he most likely still puts the work in. He still yeah. does all of that, but he just has better genetics. Like, I can train as hard as I want and do everything I can for 10 years, and there might be a guy who has crazy genetics who works out for a year and already looks better than me. That's better genetics. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, I think even like, you know, you talk about being in high school and growing up being like that skinny person or whatever, you'll see those guys in high school where they can just look at weights and they start growing and like you, and you start to listen to those people because they have the best genetics. And a lot of the times those are the ones that spread around the bad fitness information because it's what they do, but it's like, well, that's your body. Like they can eat McDonald's and still stay shredded and still grow. But for the average human, we, you know, we don't have the 1% of the 1% genetics We're the 99%, you know, and you have to work with what you got. So. So I remind people that a lot. That's true. That makes me think of. Uh, are you familiar with boxing at all? Mm-hmm. Do you know who Deontay Wilder is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes I me think of it. that immediately. Like that dude's genetics is mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Anthony Joshua, like. Good. I mean, and not only that. Think of like you want to talk about boxing. Like think of like Floyd Mayweather, for instance. Like mm-hmm. Floyd, not only is it genetic. Like he is his. You know, dad was a great boxer. His uncle was a great boxer. Yeah. But they also had him boxing at like a couple years old. Like yeah. he started and that's – so everything, like every movement with him is all muscle memory. Like when yeah. you have done that a billion times over and over and over, it is drilled into him and that's why he's the greatest. Like people want to knock him and say, oh, he runs, he's this, he's that. But he really he's is the, the – and it's drilled into him. Ever, and that's mm-hmm, – and I think that's where like – like I'm super into like MMA and boxing okay. and things like that. I think that's where um, – you know, with a with a sport like that, the more you put into it, the more you get out. Like I think with bodybuilding, in a certain sense, yes, you have to work hard, but you have to work smart because I can't just go to the gym four times a day yeah. and keep going and keep going. I'm, the body doesn't work like that. It's going to break down. I'm going to have 
um, you know, my um, um, cortisol is going to be high. I'm going to be stressed yeah. out. My body's not going to be recovering. I'm not going to be, that's not going to be optimal. But for something like boxing or, or MMA, there's so many different aspects where you can always be working. You can always, I can always throw a jab a hundred times a day. Mm -hmm. And it might not be, it's not that strenuous on your body. You might not be able to hit the weights every day yeah. or do this crazy strength and conditioning program every day, but there are certain things you can do. You might be able to practice your jujitsu some days. You might be able to, yeah. like you said, throw some jabs, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, genetics, you look at that, look at Mike Tyson, you know, look at a lot of those guys. It's obviously the work ethic is there. I think Deontay Wilder has like looking at him in my opinion, um, which I don't know a ton about boxing. That's just my opinion, yeah. but I think he has great genetics and I think he, he's dominated so many people that in the second fight, like with Fury, he got outboxed. Like, how do you tell someone who's 40 and 0 or 41 and 0 who's knocked everybody out? that and has beat this guy before hey you need to change up how you fight because i think yeah. most of us going into that fight knew fury was going to have to outbox him to win yeah. and that's what he did and, and wilder had no answer whatsoever yeah. like none he's did not do it. but because he hasn't had to like fail yet because yeah. he's been so good and i mean even i don't know if you follow ryan garcia yeah. the younger kid yeah. even when you look at him a lot of people hype him up and i think he's going to be probably one of one of the best but you look at him and you can see like it's hard to tell how good he is right now because he hasn't been tested yet. Like everyone he fights, he's so genetically faster, quicker, stronger, and has just been doing it longer than people yeah. that he beats them with that. It's flashy, you know, yeah. but let's see once he fights someone like a Gervonta Davis uh, or a Devin Haney, someone who like can really box yeah. what ends up happening. You know, I think that'll be interesting. So Dude, it's, it's so crazy seeing different. And this is where like skill and Jeanette and all that taught me. So there's this guy, do you know who Steven Abbas is by chance? Mm -mm. So he's a silver medal. He was a bronze medalist in the Olympics. He's the head of the wrestling um, um, department in Fresno. He's okay. a freak of nature. Okay. And I remember uh, I worked at a gym a while, like an MMA gym. Mm -hmm. And I remember wrestling with this dude and realizing there's levels. And like that transcended everything for me, like realizing there's levels of everything. Mm -hmm. Like this dude, like I guess in, it is a little different than bodybuilding because bodybuilding, like I can see you and be like, this dude's jacked. Mm -hmm. I could see him and be like, he probably don't know anything. He mm -hmm. kill me. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. But like, It's funny you say that, though, because, uh, you know, you seeing me and be like, oh, he's jacked. Like, you know, just uh, end of January, we went to the LA Fit Expo. We had a booth there. And yeah. I went to the Mecca, um, the Gold's Gym in Venice, where, yeah. like, you know, it's like a super, like, all the bodybuilders go there. So I went there that night, and Sergio Oliva Jr. Um, was training there, who his dad, Sergio Oliva, uh, was Mr. Olympia right before Arnold was. Okay. Um, and so this guy's a genetic freak, and I saw him. And mind you, I'm like, at this time, I was really, really lean, but I'm, you know, I was 5'8, maybe 178 pounds, pretty lean. I felt good. I see him, he's six foot 280, shredded, like to the oh. bone. And I saw him in person, and it was like one of those things of like, oh, like I'm not, I'm nowhere near that. It like it just you. really humbles you, like, because you know, we're in Fresno, so you, you'll see these guys in the gym where people look at me here, like, oh, Austin's this bodybuilder or whoever's this bodybuilder. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Like I am associated with that and this is what I love, but I'm not the best at this. You know, I'm, I'm nowhere near that. Like this guy, you look at this guy who's not even a, he's maybe a top pro. He's a pro, but he's not like a top pro. Yeah. Like he's probably top 20 in the world. Yeah. And he looked absolutely ridiculous. Like I couldn't believe it. Like his, from where his chest started to his back end, it was like shoulder to shoulder on me. And I'm looking at him and I told him like, bro, you look insane. And he's like, you should see who I'm competing against in six weeks. And he just did the Arnold Classic. Right. Like, it's crazy. And so same thing, like like you said with MMA, that's funny how even then, like, you can point that out. But with MMA, I mean, you could be in a bar and, like, 
I mean, that's what I talk to people about that all the time because I went to the UFC Fresno when it was here. Okay. And I remember um, watching, like, you'll see the stats because people have asked me, oh, would you ever do that? And I'm like, bro, I'm 5'8. I'll see these guys and they fight at like 135. So I can't even, like, I'm 192 right now. I cannot, I would have to starve myself, like, for months to get down to that weight. Yeah, just even weigh Just to even weigh that, right? Yeah. But you look at these guys and I would see them in person, like, oh, I could probably strangle this guy. But you don't know that he's – You just have to look at the ears and try mm-hmm. to figure yeah, it out. Exactly. Yeah. But like not knowing that that guy is literally – like he has probably 300 different ways he could kill you. Yeah, like right? you know, if he wanted to. Like Dude, MMA is a super – like I, that's why MMA is super interesting to me too yeah. because it's such a – it's just like a – you know, people don't – I get irritated because even like with – I don't know if you watched the Adesanya and Romero fight. Yeah, I saw it. But like people get irritated because there won't be like a brawl or it's not like – but they just don't understand what's going on. They like they're not the looking – Yeah, like I'm like you want to get in there with Yoel Romero? Like do you do you want to try – because even Adesanya said like the one time he tried pressing the action, boom, he gets caught. And so he's like I'm not doing that the rest right. of the fight. Like I'm not going to – I'm not feeding into that, you know. So it, it's – you know, watching things like that, I think people don't understand like the amount of like – talent that takes like yeah. when when these guys are rolling on the ground and you're rolling with someone like um tony ferguson who could strangle you in a hundred different ways yeah you th- like there is it's chess you're playing yeah. chess at that it, point it you know and people but people don't look at it like that. oh stand them up they need to start hitting each other in the face like they just yeah. want to see a slugfest and i think that's why people have always going back to boxing have always not uh knocked floyd mayweather because obviously in his earlier career yeah. he got a lot of knockouts but when he got older he's not like a heavy hitter you know people see pacquiao and they love that he's you know and obviously pacquiao is one of the greatest too and he's you know banging with yeah. people but floyd when you watch floyd what he does like it's so impressive because it's like yeah. he's not getting touched by like the best boxers in the world. He's able to slip right out of the way. Boom. Slip, and then touch you. Yeah. Boom. Like, do you know who Vasily Lodomachenko is? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That dude. Loma's very, very good. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I remember watching him back in the Olympics when he, uh, I remember watching him. He boxed Jose when Jose wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, Jose Ramirez? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he boxed him and he was an amateur and just been like, this dude's a freak. Mm-hmm. His ability just to slip, slip. Mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. But you're right. People, like, because we know what we know. Like, mm-hmm. so we can associate standing and banging, but then you see someone like Floyd, and if you don't understand, like, the oh, craft running, yeah, but yeah. he was an inch away mm-hmm. and came back and yeah, hit boom. Him and moved. Yeah, yeah. Like it was such a that was it was all calculated. It didn't yeah. just happen. He didn't just happen to move his head. Oh, there that, there that shot. Like yeah, he, I think people think it's that. That's easy how it is. Yeah. It looks so. Easy. Yeah, because they make it look that yeah. easy. You know, obviously all professional boxers like they're they're super good. Like I watch a lot of like uh, like I like Terrence Crawford right now. Yeah. I think his style is like really really good, and, and people kind of sleep yeah. on him a little bit. Obviously Devin Haney, Canelo. You know what I mean? Like uh, boxing is is it's hard because there's so many different promotions with boxing. Right. So like there's all this just like BS that ends up happening and and. And fights don't get made, you know, and that's what I do like about the UFC is at least the UFC is all in one. Yeah. Like obviously the UFC doesn't compete with any other MMA organization. Yeah. Like the UFC is the UFC. They it's bu- they bought them, put them in, and boom, like, and going. it's like come yeah. here, yeah. Um, like there's Bellator, but no one's really watching that yeah. for you know anything. Maybe Dylan Danis, but that's it. Right. Um, but with boxing, that's where it gets hard because you you want to start matching some of these guys yeah. up and being like, let's see, you know, Errol Spence, like he's someone who's super good too, like. That's, yeah, there's there's a lot of talent. That's where I really like this because I think there is a fear in boxing because I grew up around boxing my mm-hmm. whole life. Like I've been deep in that world, and I think there was a fear of we can't make the big fights because when someone loses, we lose a star. And I think seeing Tyson Fury and Wilder and then Cabanello and Triple G, you realize no, we don't lose a star. We gain another one. Mm-hmm. Even if he loses, like people still are going to watch Deontay yeah. Wilder. Yeah, yeah. they're going to watch Triple yeah. G. I mean, look at look at the. I mean, perfect example is the Floyd and Connor thing. Like, you know, Connor went and fought Floyd, and, and and you think of it in Connor's eyes. Like, if I'm him, I'm thinking, 
I'm there's it's a win-win for me. Oh yeah. No one expects me to win. I'm going in his right. ring yeah. to box him in his style well, of fighting versus what 49 to no? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he, you know, loses the fight or whatever, and no one cares. Everyone's still saying Connor's the greatest MMA fighter ever. Right. He even then goes to fight Khabib. Gets yeah. mauled by Khabib, and people still argue yeah. that he's, you know, especially after the knockout of the TKO with Cerrone. So yeah. uh, MMA is like it's one of those sports in boxing too, where people quickly forget things. You know, yeah. you can win two fights in a row. People think I look at um, Jorge Masvidal; he's like my favorite fighter yeah. right now. And you look at like the run, just because of how long he's put in work, and people don't realize like he's a veteran. Right. Of, it's like two different fighters. You watch Jorge from like three years ago, and you watch Jorge now. Mm-hmm. It's like a- but you and, and you, but people would knock on him then, like oh yeah. he's on the same. And obviously he's not saying like he's been on a very good run. He's just something's got into him. But people don't give him the credit, you know. And I want to see like I had a lot of people mad at me because I was posting after the Connor fight, like let's see Masvidal Connor, and I was I was telling people oh, I'll bet you I'll bet uh, Jorge all day. Yeah. And people were like oh there's no way Connor will beat. Him. And I'm like, dude, a lot of people sleep on him. But, I mean, look what he did to Diaz. And people get mad about that because everyone loves Diaz, which I do too. But they're like, oh, it shouldn't hey, have been stopped. Hey, yo, facts are facts, though. He was getting beat. Yeah, up. yeah. The whole time. and Kicks in the head. Mm-hmm. He's but then low. people's argument is, oh, well, Nate doesn't come alive. Till the f-. And I'm like, there was no – like, at least in the Connor fight, like, it was going back and forth. Yeah. Jorge was, I mean, just picking him apart. Like, yeah. it, it, nothing was Unless happening Jorge there. Unless Jorge came out gassed out mm-hmm. of nowhere and he wasn't slowing mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, but that's the beauty of the sport is we could have that argument all day. All day. Like, hey, but you never know what's gonna happen. Never, like even Connor could be could be murdered him, but like, mm-hmm. hey, but Connor could come back. There's still that chance. There's still that stunned. chance, and that's yeah. what you say because even the uh, going back to the Wilder fight and thinking of Wilder Fury in my head, if I was gonna bet on the fight, I wanted to bet on Fury, yeah. but I wasn't gonna bet Fury's gonna just you know go straight through him and knock yeah. him out. Like I had no idea that was gonna happen. I thought he was just gonna outbox him. Yeah. There's probably not going to be a knockdown, and it goes to decision. Fury wins yeah, by points. Beat the same way as slip, slip. But down. what happened? I'm like, this is like we're seeing Wilder literally. Like when he got knocked down, he got up. Like what's happening? Yeah. Like you saw him somewhere he's never been before. He, he didn't know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so same thing with you know with MMA. Like we can argue these things. Like this could happen. This could happen. I think the big one right now, obviously with Khabib and Ferguson coming up. I just want to make sure they get to the fight. Bro. I know. I saw a tweet yesterday, and it was like the world really doesn't want the with Khabib. the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, the Khabib and Ferguson fight to happen. Who do you want? Dude. To win, or who do you think? Oh shoot, that is such a good fight. The thing for me on that stand up, I think um, Ferguson. I think Ferguson's better, but mm-hmm. I don't think the fight's good. I think Ferguson is so like insane; he's gonna want to fight him on the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it's for me the place I see if it's gonna get done, it's gonna be on that like Khabib Russell's on the cage a lot. Yeah, and it's gonna be how does Tony react to those stall positions? Because mm-hmm. Khabib doesn't do a whole lot of scrambling. It's like. He'll hold you here, or he'll be yeah. Because he does. Guard. He like he when, once he gets that single leg or whatever, he takes you down. He'll he wraps, you, wraps you, get mm-hmm. you tired, get mm-hmm. you back up. He just like and he'll it. lock your legs up so these yeah. guys are just stuck. Like because yeah. you know you look at someone like Connor, who's jujitsu, is nowhere near Tony Ferguson's. No. Um, but even in in that fight, like there's a couple clips where um, uh, Khabib shot for a takedown, and Connor goes yeah. to throw a knee, and he barely misses the knee. And it's like, imagine if. That, thing that hit. Yeah. If he would have just hit it in the right, you know, and that's the case of like the Masvidal and Askren fight when he landed the head, Straight the down. the knee. You know what I mean? I thought like he died, bro. Dude, like, it was legit, the way you heard that thing and the way his body went down. Because that was on the what card was that on? Who was the main fight? It was, was Cormier and 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 was it Cormier and Stipe? Yeah, it I was. think that was the main fight, and yeah. then. 
uh, Askren and Masvidal were the second. There was another good fight was, right before like that one. They were like, it was a yeah. good, good um, card. And I remember, you know, I had a bunch of boys over and watching it. And I was super hyped because I watched all the lead up for the Masvidal. Yeah. And like, you could just tell how pissed he really was. And I was like, this is dope. Like Masvidal, yeah, like he, he's shit. about it. You know what yeah. I mean? And so they get in there and it you can just see dope, him. Bro. Yeah, you just see him sitting there and you could tell he wants to kill him. And when that happened, I was like, there's no way. Like you could not have written, written that better. Like, and then the interviews after was just hilarious. Like there was the one. I put that up after the Connor fight too, and I like Connor as well. But I'm just Masvidal yeah. is my favorite fighter right now. And it, he was like, um, like, oh, do you think those punches at the end like were necessary? And he's like, what do you mean? They were super necessary, right? Like, if you're not into you know violence, maybe go watch soccer. Like it's just <laughs> he's so brutal. Like he doesn't care. That's you just know? the way he lives, bro. Mm-hmm. It's just that's how he. That's how he. That's how he beat. Yeah. yeah. No, the idea of Jorge Masvidal is a freaking animal. Yeah. I remember like it. It really impressed me. So like with the Aspirin fight. Not that I wasn't impressed because that was phenomenal. I thought mm-hmm. he killed him, but there was part of me I was like, okay, like he baited him into the game. Yeah, he yeah, got him. Like yeah. it's easy to be like yeah. he got lucky. Because yeah. like, what if that didn't happen? If, How what does if the he fight missed go? an aspirin swung yeah. around? And I think that's what we kind of wanted to see. Like, can a wrestler like get the best of him? Yeah, you know. Because yeah. my thing now is, you know, he fought, um, he fought Darren Till and slept him in yeah. in London or whatever. That one made me sad. I'm such a Darren yeah. Darren Till's dope. Well. He's gonna Till's fighting um Whitaker. Yeah, I just oh, saw that. Be good. Uh, but he had that fight, and then it was the Askren fight, correct? Yeah. And then it was Diaz. Diaz. And so then they're saying – I remember they asked Dana about the, the Connor thing, and Dana obviously – I don't know if he doesn't want it to happen, but I just don't think – I think Dana wants to wait, and he wants Connor. Because imagine if Connor fights Khabib, let's just say. Yeah. Let's say Khabib beats Ferguson, right? Connor rematches yeah, Khabib. Be the biggest fight ever. And let's say Connor beats Khabib. Let's just say that for, for – you know. And then let's say Masvidal fights Usman – and Masvidal beats Usman. Now you have that is like it's an even more super. But I, I think for like hardcore MMA fans, it's already a super fight if yeah. it's. But for it to happen that way, it's easier for them it's to so market it. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, you know, going back to the whole wrestling thing with Askren, since we didn't get to see that, that's my biggest worry on seeing uh, Masvidal versus Usman yeah. because we watched Usman versus Covington, and I mean Usman dominated Covington. Yeah. You know, and Covington is is a good fighter. He's a very like you watch his his output, everything he did, like he's good. And, and Usman shut him down for the most part. Yeah. Um. And so you now you look at Usman and Masvidal, which they want to happen. I don't know who that that's. I mean, that's a hard fight for me to pick. I obviously want Masvidal, yeah. but I, I like I don't know. Like there's what you want and what you really think. And I think I think standing up, Masvidal might be a little bit better stand up, but Usman can utilize his wrestling. And yeah. how good is is Masvidal going to be on the ground? Yeah, and that's where I think it's separate. Is like I think Masvidal is a little better on a, a stand, just speed reaction time. But Usman is good enough where I think defense where it's take mm-hmm, and get in there. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and when Usman gets people down, bro, they he holds people down. Yeah. He'll just beat you up. Yeah, so. yeah. That, and I think that's that'll be interesting. So I'm I'm super excited for that fight to happen. Excited to see what they do with Connor next. I think a lot of that depends on what happens with this Ferguson. Because if Ferguson beats Khabib, I don't want to see Ferguson versus Connor. Like, it's not a big. I don't think that's that good of a fight either. Yeah. I think Ferguson would probably pick apart. I don't know if he'd pick apart Connor, but I think he would beat Connor. Um, I, I think I don't know. Connor's weird to me. Like I, I feel like. Even with the the cowboy thing, like that knockout, I, I was starting to think like, oh, Connor's washed up. Like he's not what he used to be, and then he knocks out cowboy like that, and I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm wrong. Like he's a dude. I I stopped doubting Connor like after the Dustin Poirier fight. And that's mm-hmm. when I was like, well, this dude, he does. Because I would always like, well, Jose's gonna beat him. Jose Aldo's the best fight. Just let him. In I like did. ten seconds, thirteen seconds, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. The argument for the Khabib fight, where I think like they have a storyline, is Connor is like very adamant. He's like, I did not train. He's like, I didn't mm-hmm. care. He's mm-hmm. like. And like, 
part I do believe that. Mm-hmm. Like I've never he I've never seen anything like watching his Because story. why would Connor be pushing the rematch so much if he knew yeah. he gave it his all and mm-hmm. still got beat and that I've bad? I've never seen him in a lie. Like even when Diaz beat him, he was a straight up just took it. So mm-hmm. why would he now start being like, ah, mm-hmm. I didn't train? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And my thought that's my thought. Even from a competitive aspect, like if you just handled me. Yeah, and I know I'm not going to win. I'm not going to do it twice. Yeah, like yeah. if I know, and I'm not going to be telling people, "Oh, let, let, let's run it back." Yeah, and like unless, if because in your head you know deep down, and it's not like he needs the money. It's not like he needs this fight to make oh, the money. Yeah. He can have, he can fight anything, and he's yeah. going to make money. But you know, to I, I'm, I'm sure you know he truly does believe that, and yeah. I think, I mean, he probably wasn't as focused as he should have been. Yeah. So. I mean, it would be interesting because him saying that he was focused on the Cowboy fight and look at the outcome. And yeah, people say Cowboys washed up, this, this, and that. But Connor fought up a weight class. Like, that's not Connor's, like, yeah. you know, preferred weight, really. But he says he feels good and, you know. He, he can do a lot, man. The Khabib fight, the thing, like, I think, like, Khabib handled him, but, like, I've watched that fight so many times. Like, it wasn't, like, a straight just murder. Like, there was times where Connor shook off the takedown, was able to stand up. I'm like, he was, it wasn't just. A shutout, mm-hmm. like when it got to the ground, it was. But Connor was able to stand. And when he was standing, you could see the difference. Like Connor mm-hmm. was very easily just slipping, moving, hitting, mm-hmm. hitting. Like mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. I think I think any fight, it's like it's yeah. like Deontay Wilder. He just has that eraser. Yeah. And if he yeah. hits you, you're you're done. You're yeah. Done. So. And that's why I really want to see Ferguson beat Khabib. I just can't stand like the way he fights. It, I just hate it. Like Khabib. Yeah, I just I can't stand it. Like, uh, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, same with like Askren, like those guys, the, the wrestlers. It's just like, ugh, like because you know what they're gonna do, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, it still makes them great for doing yeah. that. But I want to see Ferg because I think Ferguson, his thing is being on his back and being able to fight with his elbows and throw elbows, yeah. being such a high level uh, black belt with with uh, Tenth Planet. And he's gonna be throwing things up from the gate as mm-hmm. soon as he gets on his back. He's not mm-hmm. gonna sit. And he's crazy. Move. Like that dude's he's crazy. A psycho. So. Like it helps, yeah. We'll see, and so I really, really just hope that fight happens. Yeah, but I heard that they might. Uh, I think they might because Bellator, I think, is doing fights without their yeah. fans. So I wonder if UFC I, would do I that. Would watch it anyway. It doesn't matter. I mean, they would still get enough pay per view yeah, buys, it right? Does not uh, to me whatsoever. Yeah, that fight has that to happen. Fight. Yeah, it would be good. I don't think they would care. I think they're both those dudes. Like, who cares? They mm-hmm. just go out there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, man, this gonna be so good. Yeah, but even like. Even with a lot of those uh, MMA fighters and, and boxers, like it's funny because I'll look at a lot of their. I don't know if you follow uh, Mike Dolce, the yeah, he's like the UFC diet guy or whatever, and, and I'll listen to his podcast. Um, but you'll look at a lot of their training things, and even a lot of these guys are just now starting to catch on to smarter training yeah. programs, and because a lot of them for the longest time, it's just like beat your body up completely. Yeah. And until you, and then once you got to fight, you got to fight. Yeah, but they're all day, you spar every single day. Yeah, they're you, all messed yeah. up. And I think now guys are getting smarter about recovery because that's my biggest thing. With you know, even when a lot of like younger people ask me for fitness advice, I always tell them like recovery because I'll see these guys in the gym for two three hours a day yeah. and they're working out every single day. And I'm like, dude, you're not taking rest days. Like, oh, no days off or whatever. And I'm like, so important. I mean, that's what builds the muscle. Okay. You know, I mean, one it for most importantly your central nervous system. Well, actually, no. Most important, most importantly, your injuries. You yeah. you want to avoid injury. You want longevity in whatever you do. Two, your central nervous system. If you keep taxing your body and your central nervous system is too stressed, you think your body cares about burning fat and building muscle? No, it cares about feeling normal again. You yeah. know, and then on top of that, uh, just recovery and 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 building more muscle. And you know, you have these guys that are younger, especially if you you know grew up being skinnier. 
you have a fast metabolism already. Why are you going to work out more and burn more calories? When okay. you work out, you you break down the muscle. Yeah. When you're out of the gym, that's when it's recovering and repairing. That's when you need to feed it the protein, the carbs, you know, the fats, all all those things to help recover. And people have their have such a hard time wrapping their mind around. It. And that's yeah. what I was saying earlier with like, you know, more, you know, with fighting, more can be better a lot of times. With bodybuilding, a lot of times it can harm you more than anything, yeah. you know. Um going to the gym more is not going to do better now getting now going to the gym and training with more intensity and having a better workout and then getting out of there yeah. and having better recovery yes but it all can't just be gym 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 because i know guys that go to the gym two times a day they just do crazy stuff and even people now ask yeah. me oh wow how, how many hours a week do you spend in the gym how many how many days do you go and i'm like i go five days a week like yeah. and i honestly would go for like uh you look at dorian yates who was is you know considered one of the best bodybuilders ever and he was mr olympia back in the the late 90s and he only trained four days a week but because his workouts were so intense he would tell people you you don't want to on your rest day you need that day off yeah and he would tell anyone come train with me and you'll see and this guy was known for like training in a dungeon like he has old videos of him training he trained like beyond beyond failure like he trained very very hard but he was yeah. so intense that uh, he was able to take that rest day and those rest days he his body needed and he knew yeah. it so and it's funny because i whenever people tell me they've hit a plateau i'm like take a couple days off and then go back to the gym and see how you feel yeah. and they always feel better once their bodies recover they have better pumps in the gym their strength is better so people just forget recovery that's the the yeah. biggest misunderstanding with with fitness and bodybuilding is the recovery people know okay i gotta work out people know they have to diet but they don't want to they know, obviously everyone knows you need to eat healthier but yeah. not everyone's willing to but people think you know they can yeah. they can avoid the resting part and you know sleep um staying out of the gym all those things are very in keeping your stress levels low those all hinder your recovery you know dude i diet to me you know more about this to me so if i'm wrong tell me but i think diet is so important like for me even like working out like started doing this took some advice from you and started doing that and like i saw some results but what really skyrocketed it was when i was like you know what? i'm gonna start eating healthy like mm -hmm. i was like i'm gonna start boxing in no more of this crap and just mm -hmm. protein clean protein clean carbs clean fat and i just saw my muscle just rise mm -hmm. up mm -hmm. like, your body respond better and and people like to argue that you know the quality of food that you eat doesn't matter but oh, to me it does cool. it does for how you feel your yeah. energy um and you want to be healthy like I, I have these people that argue like oh well, as long as a carb is a carb and yes that is true but you getting your carb source from some oatmeal or um you know with some blueberries that has a bunch of antioxidants and micronutrients yeah. versus a pop tart is completely different it's not going to work the same in your body yeah. um yes for body composition you might if you're still eating in a deficit you will lose weight but is it the most optimal way no we want to do things optimally you know and i think it's the idea of like people are just chasing what looks good and there's pros have but what feels like you got to feel good mm -hmm. like and 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 it's being instinctive because i might tell you hey man you need to eat six times a day but you might eat six times and realize dude this is no this isn't good for my body i need to do four bigger meals and you might do that and your body starts putting on weight so i can only give you what maybe works for me or what i think scientifically works or whatever yeah. i've heard but it's up to you to try it and if it works for you yeah. it does if it doesn't Brown it doesn't hair. but there's no like one answer if it's all like hey you have to do this five by five like you said this day and yeah. then you have to eat this at this time and it, it doesn't work like that because all of our bodies are different you know we all have different lifestyles we all have different metabolisms different genetics all those things no yeah and that's something i'm realizing getting into like more and deep into fitness is like i remember like when it came to boxing i keep throwing it back there just because like i can relate, relate to, to it, it in yeah. that sphere was like i would always have people say like because i really like doing crossfit and like bodybuilding stuff just like functional because i wanted to look good mm -hmm. like well mm -hmm. like you're gonna start breaking down but i felt better 
like when I would moderate it and like it took like years to figure out like okay, what's the balance. Mm-hmm. And like I was like, okay, I feel better not sort of like training my thought, like, oh, it's different. Your body is just different. Like and there's fundamentals you have to follow. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you eat crap, you're gonna feel like crap. It doesn't of course. Really matter at some point. Mm-hmm. But like we're different. Like a part of it is trial and error. And I think we like to be lazy. Like I just want to be like, Hey, tell me what's the secret sauce. Yeah. But there isn't a there's secret no sauce. There's no secret. Yeah. It's hard work. Mm-hmm. It's like, and that's, that's the, the hardest thing to get to people. Cause I know guys that tell me, Oh, awesome. You don't understand. Like I'm training hard and I'm, I'm eating so much. I'm not gaining weight. What can I do? And I look at them like eat more. Yeah. Oh, well, Austin, you don't understand, dude. I'm eating six times a day. Okay. Have you gained any weight? No. Eat more. Eat seven times. Eat eight. Like that's the answer, but you just don't want to hear that because you don't want to do you it. You want your answer. Yeah. You want me to say like, oh, you know what? There's this pill you can take right here and yeah. boom, it's going to put on all this muscle. And that's not how it works. Like if you are not gaining weight, you're not in a surplus, yeah. you know, and, and I, you have to eat more. That's the only answer I can give yeah. you. But people, oh, but you don't understand my stomach hurts. Well, then you can't do it. Yeah. Like I, I can't force the food down you. And that's just – exactly. And that's like the only way I can tell people now. It's the yeah. same thing with dieting. Like guys that I'm, I'm prepping for shows and they're on super low calories. Like I tell them like, dude, no one signed you up for this. Like you have to make your weight. You have to be at yeah. a certain body fat. Like you're going to suffer. It's not normal for your body to be sub 5% yeah. body fat. You know, it's going to be hard. But So cutting weight because this is something I do want to bring up. So like I'm very familiar with the world of cutting weight for fighting. Um, what does the process look like when it – comes to cutting weight for uh, a show 100 different than like yeah than I'm, fighting because I, I think i'm doing like i'm doing drills hit treadmill hit mm-hmm. run because i even work with a guy who was a like a really good wrestler in high school and i mean his discipline from cutting as a wrestler is like bar none like yeah. like i have him for instance right now i have this guy doing he's been on no carbs for he's dropped first of all he's went from like 270 pounds i'm down to 211 right now right and I have him doing no carbs. He's been on no carbs for probably about eight weeks. Yeah. Um, I have him doing an hour and 40 minutes of cardio. I could tell this guy to eat dirt for four days straight and he'd be like, okay. Yes, sir. Because he's like, uh, he's like nothing compares to the cutting for wrestling that he did because of how just like quick it is. Like they try and just cram it all at one time versus with bodybuilding. You know, say you say someone comes to me and says, Hey, I want to do a bodybuilding show. Um, you know, obviously I have to look at how they look and, and determine how far they, you know, how far out they are and if they can make it for that. Yeah. But usually, you know, I like to start people 16 weeks out, 16, you know, you know, and you start, you know, with a baseline diet and you slowly kind of cut down from there. You'll have refeeds, you'll have cheat meals every now and then, yeah. um, you'll slowly up cardio. So it's a very slow, more of a gradual process because you need to hold on to the muscle mass for, for something like fighting. You're just trying to hit the weight for that. Right. When you step on that ceiling, you hit it, boom, it doesn't matter what you weigh right after yeah. that, you know, for body lean, it's a look. So yeah, you might have to get down to a certain weight. Um, to hit your weight class, yeah. but you don't, you want to lose body fat. You don't want to be losing muscle, you know? Yeah. So you have to get the body fat. And then there are guys that get to that lean and say they're doing like the classic physique division, right? Where at a certain height, you can only weigh a certain amount. So say you're, you know, five, eight, I think you're in, in the amateurs, your uh, weight cap is 183. Okay. So say, you know, I have a guy that's 190 and he's peeled to the bone. Yeah. Well, you're not at weight. So that's when, okay, now we're going to have to starve off some muscle. We're going to have to have you hit the sauna a bunch. Yeah. You're going to feel like death these next couple of days, but it's just to make the weight. And then you fill their body back up because they, they check in the day before. Yeah. Um, but the cutting process is way different because obviously with fighting it, it, it doesn't have to, um, it, it doesn't matter as much. You don't have to look yeah, the part, I can't you know, touch that weight mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and as long as your strength is there and everything, you're good. Uh, with fighting, with bodybuilding, it's it's you you want to lose the correct weight, you know. Okay. So um, it's just a very slow 
gradual process. Obviously, some people can do it quicker, and it still does get hard, but it's nothing like, hey, you're not eating for three days, you're doing this. Like, it's very structured and just, it's routine, you know? It, it definitely creates like OCD with a lot of people um, because it's the same stuff every day. But that's just what bodybuilding is. And to me, like, I love that about bodybuilding. Like, I love having that structure. Like, I told you earlier, like, it's normal for me to eat six times a day. People think I'm crazy. Like, dude, how do you eat that much? I'm like, I, I'm just used to it. Like, I, I'm always thinking about eating. Like, eating's easy for me. It's fun. So, I fell in love with the process. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was saying. Like, uh, you know, even with the competing aspect for me, I've competed, but it's not everything to me. Like I like it as a hobby, but it's not something that I would see myself doing. Like I have a family, I have other things I'm, I'm worried about now. Like, uh, maybe in the future I would do that for fun. Yeah. But as of right now, that's not my main goal. And I'm, that doesn't mean I'm not going to bodybuild though. I still yeah. love bodybuilding. You do you it know? for passion, not mm -hmm. for the mm -hmm. result. Exactly. And I think a yeah. lot of people lift because they want to compete and they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Because once you get into prep, it's easy to go to the gym when you have all this food in you and your pumps yeah. are good and your strength is good. But once you're on no carbs and you're doing an hour and a half cardio a day and you're starving, it's not fun to go to the gym anymore. You're like hating life. You're hungry all the time. You're angry. Your hormones are messed up. But that's what it, you know, that's what comes with it. And I think you truly have to love the sport to want to do that because it's not, no one wants to just eat chicken and, and asparagus or tilapia right. and, and spinach all day, you know, but sometimes some guys got to do that to get that shredded yeah. and, you know, if, if you are passionate about it and that's what you care about, then you'll do it. So yeah. I think a lot of it was sports and stuff. We like the, we like the idea of it. I think we like the way it, like, we like to be able to post a picture of us mm -hmm. and getting after mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like when it's time to get up at five in the morning, go run. You exactly. Know, and up, look at, and, and that's where I've always compared, especially bodybuilding to, and when I say bodybuilding, I'm not just talking about like competing, like anyone that works out and, and wants to better their physique, I consider a bodybuilder. Like you're trying okay. to build your body. Like as far as when I refer to it, I'll say like a competitive bodybuilder when I'm speaking about a com the competing aspect but you look at bodybuilding and in football you know you go to practice okay you're out of practice in two hours you might have some you know weightlifting you might have some film that's all that matters you know bodybuilding it is 24 hours like once you get out of the gym cool now the other 23 hours of your day you have to make sure you're eating you know this many calories this much protein this much carbs this much fat you're eating it at this time you're still doing your cardio you're making sure you're getting eight hours of sleep a it's night it's it's your life yeah. exactly it's everything helmet mm -hmm. and uh, pads it's mm -hmm. like constantly there. it's on you always so it's it's a 24-hour sport and I, and I think that's what's super interesting is you can't fake it you know because you're gonna know if someone's putting in the work or they're not because if they're getting results yeah, or not look at you and find out exactly you'll know if uh, if someone uh is really about it and that's what i like about it you know because it's it's all against you it, it's up to you how hard are you willing to work because a lot of guys it, ask me all the time like oh you stay in good shape year round i'm like dude you don't understand my diet like if you go home and you go to my place and, and people make excuses like oh my wife eats like this or like that and i tell them like that's just an excuse because i've excuse. yeah i've lived with my girl for uh over or right around three years and there's always cookies in the pantry there's always you know pizza there's yeah. all kinds of stuff but it's my choice to have it or not and i don't like shame her or look at her and be like oh you can't have that i'm dieting right now yeah. like this this is my choice, not hers. Yeah. You know, like if anything, yeah, she does want me to eat with her, but like I have, you know, goals that I'm trying to reach yeah. too. And I and I just it's just a lifestyle to me now. It's yeah. like people like they ask me, Are you bored with eating this way? Are you like you don't get tired of eating bland da, da, da. and I'm like, I just don't think about it. Like it's just it's, it's just normal. It's normal. Yeah. Just like how for them waking up and not think like right when I wake up, the first thing in my head literally is like, What am I gonna eat this morning? You know, how am I going to get my, you know, am I going to do eggs and oatmeal? Am I going to have a protein shake? Like I'm already kind of thinking about it versus other people 
wake up and they're like, okay, let me get ready for work. Yeah. Then they'll go to work. They'll have a break. They'll talk to some people. They won't normal. eat till 3 p.m. And that's normal to them. Yeah. To me, I would be like starving, bro. Like no energy. Like I couldn't do that. You know? Here, bro. I've gotten used to eating like five, six times a day. Mm-hmm. And you're right. You get used to it. Like it was mm-hmm. hard for me at first, but mm-hmm. like after like two weeks, I kind of got, used. my mm-hmm. body is kind of like expected mm-hmm. like time to eat. Yeah. Like, yeah. I have a lot of like, um, I have a, a, female client as well who was like this is so much food i never ate this much and i'm like just trust me trust me and she followed it and it's funny because her weight after a couple weeks didn't change much but then she showed me pictures of from when she started to now and the change in her physique and her body composition is 100 percent different because yeah. the muscle cell is full with glycogen now her body she's dropped some body fat she's dropped some subcutaneous water has added some intracellular water she looks the 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 uh, visual is completely different, you know, and it's hard for people to, to see that or to know how to get to that. But, um, understanding that, I mean, eating and even when you do think of other sports, eating is obviously a big thing. Like if imagine if like, I'm sure LeBron James has a, a pretty good nutrition, yeah. uh, you know, his, his diet is probably pretty probably good. Not You're not going to be the best at something and not be like focused on that, yeah. but you can still be a professional athlete and yeah kind of eat whatever you want and that's cool bodybuilding you don't get to do that i don't yeah. care who you are even the the top guys in the world with the top genetics they still are following diets especially leading into shows you know maybe when they're not you know in a prep and they're in their off season they're you know a lot more easy on themselves they don't care probably about getting a little bit out of shape in their off season but when it comes to doing a show yeah you there's no no way around it you know yeah, it's a, it's the work mm-hmm. and that's why you know where you asked me earlier like how much do you think is genetics like i think it's 100 percent everything yeah. like People want to put train as the number one thing, but if I had to, like, if I had to, like, put them in order, I would say nutrition's number one. Okay. You know, training and genetics are like right there. Like, okay. I couldn't even tell you what's two and three. They're like, right. Yeah, just because. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you need the training stimulus to grow, but I put it this way: so say we take two twins, right? We take two guys. Yeah. Let's say we have me, and then I have a twin brother, identical, same genetics, same everything. We have the same everything, right? Same size, same everything. We follow the same workouts. But if you take one guy – or no, we don't follow the same workouts. My bad. You take uh, person one and he has a perfect diet but he – you know, and, and everything is perfect about it to the T every day. But he only trains two days a week, right? right? But then you take another guy and it's like an upper lower. But then you take the other brother and you know person two and he trains six days a week but his diet is terrible. Who's going to look better? Probably this first guy. Exactly. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So like diet is huge. The training stimulus obviously has to be there. And we know that, yeah. but you're not going to out train your diet. You can't yeah. work out that much and just, you know, Yeah, I think people like that though. Cause you know, you don't see people posting videos on our Instagram with the nice rap music in the background of their food. Mm-hmm. It's Cause it's boring. Been, it's, it's always boring. hitting the reps, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's boring. And because people know like, what it is like yeah. there like you said earlier there's no secret like the chicken and rice the steak and potatoes like it's the it's the bread and butter that's that's what work. it is mm-hmm. yeah. and it's hard work and um and consistency too i think that's the main thing i always trust to people like and i'll, I'll caption on a lot of my pictures on instagram like long-term consistency beats short-term intensity like i'll have people that are so like fired up like let's get after it. and they go yeah. hard for three four weeks and then boom yeah. they're burnt out yeah. and i'm like you just like Finding that balance and being able to figure out, okay, around my lifestyle, around my job, around my family, around everything I do, what is the best situation for me? And figuring that out and doing that consistently over six months to a year, you're going to get way better results versus just burning out and crashing. So I always tell people because it's always at the beginning of the year. Everyone wants to get yoked and I'm like – Oh, French, like we're gonna get we're gonna get up at five AM, like yo, chill, chill, chill. Mm-hmm. Get there. I was like, you're going from not working out to probably like 
every single day is not going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Like no. start like that's how I. And it's it. counterproductive like, yeah, if you think about it. It's going to burn you out, and you're mm-hmm. going to burn out. And your mm-hmm. body like I was always told like start three times a day. Three times a week, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And just slowly just – And that's whoever told you that gave you good information because it, your body, if you haven't worked out, why do you think you get so sore the first time you work out? Because it is – your body has to adapt to that. It is something that's very new. So why are you going to go seven times a week when you can get probably the same exact results, if not better, on three times a week and then do that for a couple weeks? Okay, you know what? I can handle an extra day now. Let me throw that extra day in. It's a progressive thing, but people want to just jump full force. Like, uh, like you said, they want to know the best thing. So – Say you you have a friend, right? And yeah. says, Hey man, ask Austin uh what what the, the best routine is for me to do. And so you come to me like, Hey dude, my friend has never worked out a day in his life. What should he do? And I'm like, Oh, you should do uh Mr. Olympia's workout routine. Right. That that's such bad information because Mr. Olympia has worked up to that to where he can train at that, and that's his body. Like yeah. that might be best, but where he's at, he's very advanced. For a beginner, it's gonna be very different. You're not gonna be able to get there. No, yeah, because he's gonna be like him doing four sets of bicep curls is going to tear his biceps apart to where they're going to grow a lot bigger. Yeah. Why am I going to have him do four exercises, five sets of each one with drop sets and supersets? He's doing all this volume. And, yeah. and his arms, he's probably going to be able to bend his arms the next day he wakes up. And now that's counterproductive because he's not going to be able to train him for a week. So you're getting less out of it because it's not recovered. Like yeah. if you can train it and then it's not sore in two days, train it again. Yeah. You know? So you're just talking about volume. Um, in terms of bodybuilding, how much is – so I've heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know a lot. I'm still figuring this out here. Mm-hmm. That volume is like so key in terms of actually working the muscles to get bigger. Is this accurate? Yes and no. Okay. So volume is one part. It's like one piece to the puzzle, right? Okay. So uh, when we're speaking of volume, volume is going to be like the amount of work you're doing. But you have to structure your volume around your frequency, around your recovery, um, around your intensity. So for instance – and this is where people get very confused, but it's if you just do – if you think about it and you think about it logically, you can kind of make your own assessment. But um, for instance, if I go to the gym, right, yeah. and see I train very intense. Like every set that I do is to failure and it's very hard. I'm going to have to do a lot less volume because if I'm going – if I'm loading up 315 on bench press and doing three sets to failure and it's hard sets, you know – Am I then going to be able to do, you know, go to the incline bench and give that same effort in those sets? No, you, you, yeah. your body is then taxed. Your central nervous system is taxed. Your muscles are taxed. You're fatigued. So if you're – like that's why I was talking about Dorian Yates. Like Dorian Yates was known as a low-volume trainer um, but very high-intensity. Then you have guys who are high-volume trainers, low-intensity – who that's more like typical bodybuilding stuff. Like you go in the gym, you know, five, six exercises for a body part, four or five sets, a bunch of reps, but nothing's really too true failure. Like true failure is like, is, uh, you know, very hard to reach. Um, and so you have to structure those in the same way. Obviously volume is going to lead to hypertrophy, but you know, building strength will lead to hypertrophy as well. So, I mean, there's, it's going to be different for everybody. I don't think there is one best thing. I think you should do what fits. It's just a preference thing. A preference thing. I think you're going to get results. If you train hard, you're going to get results from whatever you do. But I think it's what fits you best. So for me, for instance, I might like, in my opinion, I might think, dang, Dorian Yates has the best training approach. It's a low volume. high. It makes sense. He goes in there, kills. He, the way he describes it is okay. you, You have your hand, right? Yeah. You take a piece of sandpaper and you rub it on your hand. Yeah. It tears the skin up. Yeah. And then what happens? Your hand scabs up and it grows back thicker. Yeah. So why, when it's growing back, would you take the sandpaper to it again and rub it again if it's not healed? 
You want it to heal so it's thicker, then rub it again, and then it's thicker, then rub it. That's how he thinks of the muscle and with training. And so to me, that makes very good sense. Okay. I think, okay, yeah, yeah. But do I want to do that? Do I, I love going to the gym. So am I only wanting to go four days a week? No. So yeah. I train with a little bit less intensity, yeah. a little bit more volume, um, and a little bit more frequency. So he might have only trained in body parts one day a week. you got some guys who train them twice. Me, I try and train one of my weak body parts twice every other week. So one week I might train. I'll always train arms twice a week just because I don't have an arm day. Arms are very small muscles, so I'll just work them. Just throw them in there. Throw them in there, yeah. yeah. So I'll usually do like back. Like say this week, I'll do back twice this week. I'll do biceps twice. I'll do triceps twice. I'll only do shoulders, chest, and legs once. And legs I only do once because uh, genetically my legs are bigger. So a lot of guys, if they don't have good legs, I tell them to split their leg days up, have a quad and calf day, a hamstring and glute day. you know, Or okay. hit legs twice and, and do less volume but higher intensity. Okay. Um, and then next week I might go – um, shoulders twice a week, triceps twi twice a week, and biceps twice a week, and then I might only do back, chest, and legs once. Okay. So it just depends. Um, people are different. And that's because I do like to have two days off, though. Now, if I was doing three days, I would probably just do a push-pull leg split. So it would yeah. be like chest, shoulders, tries Monday, back, buys Tuesday, legs Wednesday, and then I would do chest, shoulders, tries again Thursday. But say I emphasize chest mostly that day, I would maybe do shoulders more focused little bit of chest, a little bit of triceps, same with back and biceps, and then legs again. Say I did more quads on the first leg workout, I would maybe do more hamstrings on this one. But I don't like doing six days. For me, I feel like my body doesn't recover uh, ideally at that. Yeah. I feel like I'm better on a five-day split. I like to go like two or three days on, take a day off, two or three days on, take a day off. And that's just what works for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think volume, volume is big and it's key. I think volume, if you're going to – to break it down into like uh, into the easiest terms to understand, volume is going to be a driving factor. You know, if you're right. doing a lot of volume and you're swelling the muscle up, it is going to grow. But at a certain point, I think you'll reach a sticking point where you then have to not just increase the volume because you can only increase volume so much. Yeah. If I have you doing ten sets of biceps a week um, to grow your arms, and let's say that's working great, yeah. and then you know we up it to twelve, well then we up it to fourteen. At what point is a hundred sets too much? Of course, a hundred sets is going to be too much. So we can't just keep it raise the intensity or raise the infrequency. But then with raising the frequency, you have to adjust. Okay, I'm doing. Is it better to just like uh, you said uh, off right now? You had said um, you know with the long term consistency and the short term intensity with the jujitsu thing. Yeah. Speaking this crazy because this relates to it the same way is it better to train biceps once a week with 10 sets or twice a week and five sets each day yeah. now you have to start factoring those things in so and for you for each of us it can be different because yeah. the body is different and depends on your split it might be i might think oh well it's better to split them up let me do five let me do five sets monday and five sets thursday but if i'm hitting back the day before and i'm doing pulling movements and rolling it movements i'm still taxing my yeah. so so many variables so it's like that's where it's like this huge puzzle and like it's good to have someone structure what you're doing um, somewhat, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't – I don't think people overtrain because overtraining gets thrown around a lot. Like, oh, I'm overtraining. You have to really be – Because I look at MMA fighters and I'm like, bro, bodybuilders are not overtraining. Like, we're going to the gym for an hour and a half, maybe yeah. two hours max, it's doing some cardio. Fighter, yeah, and fighters really are like go, 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 go all the time. And so I'm like if they're not overtraining, don't worry, you're not. But I do think they're overreaching. Like you're trying to do much to get a result. Like okay. I might hit, hit back, right? And then I'm thinking, okay, let me do some dumbbell curls and some preacher curls just to finish off my biceps, three yeah. sets of each. But then I do and I'm like, you know what? Let me do some cable curls. And then I do that. Oh, you know what? Pump's good. Let me go do some hammer curls. Am I overreaching now to where I'm doing too much? And then not only that, I'm putting more stress on my ligaments, my tendons, my joints. Am I going to create an injury? 
now. Yeah. So those are things people because a lot of people don't think about it because they're young and they've only been doing it for very a very short time, so they're not getting yeah. injuries. But once you get older and you start feeling these things come up, I try and tell guys, dude, you want to avoid it because I'll get little knee pains here and there. Yeah. And even when I tore my pec, like I wish, I really, really wish I would have listened to my body more because that day that I tore my pec, uh, I'll never forget. I was you know benching and I don't ever bench press barbell, and right. I'm warming up. I warmed up with 135. Uh, 185, 225, and I go up to 275, right? Yeah. And I hit 275 that first set for like 10 reps. Yeah. But I had like 13 in my tank, like 12 or 13, like you know. But I, I stopped because I knew I was gonna go for 315. So yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna go you to failure. I'm not gonna go to failure on this yeah. set. So I rack it. But I remember racking it and my shoulder feeling kind of tight on that set. So I was like, oh, let me, let me do that. Like I'm gonna do that one more time before I jump to 315. You know. Yeah. So I unracked the 275 again. You know, I rested a little bit. My friend had went. And I hit that eight times this time, but I knew I had like 10 or 11 in the tank. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm good to do sure But my though. shoulders still felt kind of tight. Like I should have just stayed with that weight, you know? Like what did it, did it feel like? Like it was like locking out or did it feel like it was just like more, it took more to push it up? Not more to push it up. It just felt like it was it, like, like it was locked down. It wasn't like, like a loose muscle. It, it, it was wasn't loose. Like, it was tight, you know? Okay. Yeah. And I rack it and I'm like, oh, I'll go 315. Well, then I get into 315. So I amp myself up like, oh, let's go. Like I'm getting pumped. I got my oh. earphones in. And I remember unracking it. I'm super tense. And I come down with it. And right when I explode, it felt like my arm shot up. And I can just it's, – it's, if I grabbed your shirt right now and ripped it in half, that's all I could hear. And I just feel like these tingles coming all through my upper chest. And my arm like drops down. And thankfully, the my friend spotting me is a power lifter. And I'm literally yelling to him, bro, my pec just tore, my pec just tore. Like I knew it immediately. From hearing the sound, the stories I've heard, I knew it. I've never had an injury. So he grabs a weight. It's 315. Mind you, I have – both arms are on it. This arm's obviously not pushing. I'm probably not pushing at all because I'm like, get this damn thing off of me. And like he's holding it, trying. trying to rip 315 off of me. So he somehow gets it up and racks it. Just gets his at deadlift position. And, and gets it. And he's super strong. And I remember I let go because it was my left arm, my left pec that I injured. Yep. I let go with my right hand and I got my arm off the bench. My left arm was stuck. I could release my hand, but I couldn't. I had no external or internal rotation. It was it was torn. And so and it was so it just happened. And so I told him, like, bro, I can't sit up. I need you to like rip all the plates off, move the bar, and then help me sit up. And he's like, Okay. So I'm still sitting there and it's painful. Like obviously my adrenaline kicked in. Yeah. So like thinking of before I tore a muscle, when I ever thought of tearing a muscle, I thought it would be extremely painful. And I think it was, but because my adrenaline was pumping so hard from having a heavy weight on there, yeah. it didn't really like click yet. And so once he got the ball off and he sat me up, I remember like getting my arm down. And everything just felt super like inflamed, like swollen. I could barely move. He's like, bro, I didn't hear anything. I think you're fine. I'm like, dude, it ripped. He's like, like, hit it again. Yeah, I'm like, bro, I heard it. Like, it ripped. And I'm like feeling it. And I'm like, I don't know. And then I went in the bathroom and I could already see bruising because you have muscles. So your, your chest muscles, right? They, they, yeah, they all the swell. Yeah, so, well, and then they go across your chest and then they come into your front delt, into your shoulder, and then they go down to your bicep. So they all connect all in here. Oh, and okay. so I had bruising coming all down my bicep. So I'm thinking they ripped Instantly. that way. And when you think of muscles, they're like rubber bands. Like they're like this. It tears. They just boom, completely knock. Yeah, yes. Go back. Yep. And so I knew like – and so then I got home and I and I took my shirt off. My girl helped me get my shirt off because I called her. And I look in the mirror and I could already see the indentation when in it. When did the pain start kicking in? Within a couple hours it started. Uh, I went to the ER and it was throbbing pretty bad. Um, the doctor I saw sucked and he was like, oh, yeah, you have a muscle rupture, but I won't give you an MRI. We'll just do an X-ray. And I'm like, do I need an MRI to see how bad it is? Like if I need surgery, yeah. didn't want to do it. Um, so I didn't get that. And I went through this whole process. I never even ended up getting an MRI on my pec. And so that's why I didn't even get it surgically repaired. I went to Dr. Batista here. Okay. He's a super good doctor in Fresno yeah. um, and helped me tremendously with healing it. But it does suck because 
with how my pec tear is. Batista recommended he did a um, an ultrasound on my pec, yeah. and he basically was like, I can tell you where the tear is and that you have a tear, but I can't tell you how bad it is. And so he saw it, but he was like, with your range of motion, because when it happened, I could barely like lift my arm. But yeah. within like a week, like a week and a half, I was able to get it up more, and then I could finally start like stretching it up. So when I saw him, he's like, with your range of motion, I don't think it's that bad. Um, he had to drain it. There was a bunch of fluid in there that he had to drain out, like 30 mLs worth of fluid in there. Um, he did a um, um, like a PRP shot on it, um, yeah. a healing peptide we used, all kinds of things. And uh, but now, you know, I wasn't able to train my my pec for. I mean, my chest. I didn't train. I trained legs only for about two months, and I trained the right side of my body because I, you know, read like even Dorian Yates once again when he tore his bicep during his career. He trained the other side, and there's like a mirroring effect where if you do train one side, your body still tries to keep that symmetry. So for whatever reason, it still tries, even though you're not contracting that muscle, it's still trying to hold on the tissue that's there. Because yeah. I knew I was going to lose size regardless in my upper body. But I'm thinking, yeah. what can I do? It's trying to compensate naturally, so it's in it. Exactly, Isn't and that crazy how that works. It's nuts. Yeah. And and on top of that, it's more of just a mental thing. I love going to the gym just for like the mental clarity. You know, I, I can zone it's out. It's physical. it's it's beyond physical. It's what I love to do. And so I didn't want to. You know, I'm doing legs three times a week, splitting up quads and hamstrings, and I'm doing the right side of my body, as dumb as it sounds, once or twice. But I wasn't going to give up. I'm like, I know if I just stop training, I'm going to get depressed. I'm going to be all sad. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm taking this on, and I'm just going to be the best me. Yeah. And so I did that. And within, like, dude, I got, you know, working with Batista and everything I did, I mean, it got better pretty quick. I did, um, I would say I probably started training, like, the injured side of my body. Like, I was able to do, like, light arms, like, cable stuff and machine stuff. Okay. Maybe eight weeks into the pec tear. Mind you, if you get a surgery, you're out six months, completely no gym six months. You're yeah, slinged up. Yeah, yeah, they have to go in there, drill, all that stuff, right? And so I'm like, okay, cool. Well, then I'm able to start training some back, do some shoulder raises and stuff. And that's for a couple months. So then about, I think, three and a half months in, um, I'm able to start doing a little bit of chest and just machine zone. I'm getting on like the, the hammer strength machines and putting like, excuse me, five pound, 10 pound plates on there. Yeah. Like it's very, it light. sucks, dude. Cause I'm, you know, thinking, dude, I used to hit three plates on each side and, and it's a mental thing. Cause now you have these people looking at you. You're this guy that's looked at as, Oh, you're the bodybuilder. Like, why are you lifting that lightweight? Oh, it's, it's light. a, and that's, it's mental dude. Cause there would be days where I would be so frustrated. Like, bro, like, this sucks. Like, why did this happen? Yeah. But am I going to sit here and dwell on it? No, it happened. It's over with. How are we going to get better? And I mean, to today, it's been about 11 months since I tore it. So not even that long. And I mean, I remember, you know, I had friends tell me, dude, start doing some dumbbell presses, some dumbbell presses. And I was like, oh, you don't understand. It doesn't feel right because my stabilizer muscles aren't there. Figure my pec, how it tore, the way it's healed because it's there's still the indent. The indent will forever be there. Yeah. My pec basically tore and where it healed now, it's healed in the wrong spot. So it looks very like there's a there's a gap. So yeah. when it contracts, it's not in the right place it's supposed to be in. So things aren't going to feel normal. So I get dumbbells and, and using the 30s, bro, was like hard. Like And I used to press the 110s, 115s, yeah. like nothing. And now the 30s are hard. But 11 months, you know, fast forward, that's probably four months into it, seven months later, I'm able now to hit like the 85s, 90s on it. And I never thought I would be able to get to this. So in my head now, I'm like, if I can just work up to the hundreds and just use those for the rest of my life, that's enough for me. You know, because I'm it cool watching the progression though, like because mm -hmm. you go up a weight never, but then seeing the muscle go from nothing to like, okay, we're getting better, mm -hmm. we're getting stronger, mm -hmm. we can feel it mm -hmm. physically. A hundred percent. And I think for me, I do know that my pet because there are days where it feels good, 
and there's days where it doesn't. Like the um, what I'm so thankful for is my pec doesn't it doesn't mess with my leg training, doesn't mess with my back training, doesn't mess with arm training like biceps or triceps. Doesn't even shoulders really. The only thing on shoulders that affects are my overhead presses because my pec tends to lock up because obviously your upper chest works yeah. on those movements. But thankfully for me, my shoulders have always been one of my best body parts, so I can do certain shoulder machines that feel okay, and my shoulders are bigger than they've ever been. Yeah. So and I can still do all my raises and they don't bother me. It's just the chest movements that really do. Yeah. So I do have to train it a lot lighter, a, a lot lighter, a lot higher volume. Um, I only train it once a week. Um, but even seen, I've seen pro bodybuilders that had pec tears that haven't got surgery on them and they still built amazing physiques. Yes. The indent is there forever. But like, if I were to take my shirt off right now and you yeah. looked at me just like, and I'm not flexing, you probably couldn't even tell that yeah. I had a pec tear. It's only once I flex it, yeah. you can then see, cause it comes so much further in yeah. than even my other pec. Seen, I can kind of see how it looks, but mm -hmm. it's part of the story. It's, mm -hmm. the story. Mm -hmm. it's crazy. And, and it's one of those things where I just had to overcome it. And to me, even if I was able to get the MRI, my insurance cleared in everything, and I was able to get the surgery, I think about it, and I'm like, I couldn't have seen myself sitting out of the gym for six months. Yeah. Like, I would have went crazy not being able to do any type of exercise, you know? So I'm almost kind of, like, thankful that even what I'm able to do now is enough for me. Like I said, I'm not yeah. trying to be the number one bodybuilder in the world. I do, this self, I do this for myself, and I want to build a great physique for myself, but my goal isn't to be Mr. Olympia. Yeah, dude, that's how I was whenever I went, when I took my, I blew my shoulder out. He went, put it back in place, and I had to start doing therapy right away. And the big place I felt it was my chest. Mm -hmm. Like, I have. shoulders and chest are boom. Even, even now, I like, my shoulders are, it's weird, because, like, the way I tore it, it was, like, right here. Mm -hmm. So, it seems like comments almost like in a similar area. But, like, my shoulder press I can do now, but even chest nowadays, like, I'll find, like, I can't do certain muscles, or I'll get, like, mean arthritis, mm -hmm. like, randomly. It's funny hard. you say that, too, bro, because my biggest concern when I tore my pec because I knew once I got out of the gym like it was my pec that tore like I've yeah. heard the story too much it's always flat bench you just knew I, I knew it but my biggest worry was did I not only just tear my pec but rip my shoulder out like yeah. I was starting to worry about my shoulder now being like well you know what is this going to do because a shoulder replacement or, or you know shoulders once you have shoulder problems bro not good yep. like that's going to hinder you a lot because I know a lot of guys where it, you can do curls and it bugs guys because your shoulders involved in that I couldn't pick up my phone like, yeah everyday life stuff every, yeah because everything makes it have to yeah move. and even turning like yeah. weird thing do yeah. think, like weird. yeah squatting down like my mm -hmm. shoulder would start see thankfully and, I haven't got any of that yet and let's hope I know um but even now it's made me a lot more tearing my pec has made me a lot more cautious with like stretching because i know if i probably would have just stretched that day i talked to a massage therapist yeah. i went and saw and he told me um he's like honestly dude if you would have just stretched a little bit like i guarantee that injury wouldn't have happened you know but as a bodybuilder we don't we don't focus on don't stretching enough you know and exactly yeah. so it's one of those like hard uh you know you you learn it the hard way type yeah. of thing but i am so thankful for it because you know everything i'm a big believer in like everything happens for yeah. a reason so it is what it is really you know it's happened and i think for me the uh, I don't know. Are you recording yet or no? Oh yeah, we're going. Okay, cool. My bad. No, you're <laughs> I don't. Cool, you're probably to cut that out. Um, but the biggest thing for me with tearing my pec is it was in April, and I had just found out like maybe a month before or like five, six weeks before that my girl was pregnant. Okay. So I think me having the pec tear was like a wake up call of like, hey, I know you love this bodybuilding thing and this training, and you're so focused on yourself. And yes, you do put time into you know your business and the, and the online training, all those things. Yeah. But now it's time to switch gears. You can still do the training and all that, 
but you need to be more focused on other things. And yeah. I think it kind of made me, because people ask me like, oh, bro, you should get your pet repaired. And I'm like, dude, I have a kid on the way. Like, there's a lot more things I'm worried about right now. things in perspective. Exactly. Like, it's not about me anymore, yeah. you know? And, I, and I'm and i thankful for that. Because even now, it's like, I think about it. And yeah, like, a lot of my friends that are still into competing and stuff, they'll bring up, like, oh, I'll do it with your pet. Like, but I just don't care. Like, if I do compete again with a pec tear, like, it would just give me that much more confidence if I won with my pec torn. Right. You know, like, it, and I don't need that justification of, like, hey, you won. Here's a first place trophy. Like, that's not what right. I bodybuild for. I think a lot of guys do because they, you know, bodybuilding stems from insecurity. Like, yeah. you get into working out because you were insecure about how you looked or your strength or, or, or whatever the case may be. And so then you build this physique and now yeah. you need all this reassurance. Now like, oh, I need people to tell me I'm jacked. Yeah. yeah, I need confirmation that I'm this guy. And to me, I don't need that, man. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, a, you know, I am happy with who I am and I'm happy yeah. in my own skin. And I think a lot of people aren't. And it sucks, man, because you're doing things for the wrong reason then like if yeah. like and that's why i think the guys that can't eat the meals or don't want to train hard or whatever you don't truly love bodybuilding you're doing it for the wrong reason i tell yeah. them go find what you do love you know whether it's fighting whether it's um you know going to school whether whatever it is opening your own business do that and be the best you at that you know but i think too many people want to just be something they're not or try and force something and you can't man because this oh, is yeah. it's not easy you know that's like me that's like someone coming in here right now and telling you and me like hey man you gotta drop everything you're doing right now you can make a bunch of money but you're gonna have to go to school to be a doctor both of us are probably are a lawyer. We're gonna be like, I'll be, I'll be miserable. I don't care right. how much money I make. I'll be miserable doing that because yeah. I'm not interested in it. I don't care. It's all that work. Like yeah. it's so many different things. But some people, that's interesting to them yeah. and they're passionate about that and that's what they want to do. So you gotta do what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. And you're right. And usually the insecure people, like perfect thing for bodybuilding. Cause that's a good point. Like it is stems a lot from insecurity. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that can't eat, can't do it because one, they're not passionate about it, and two, they're already so insecure, which is also mentally like mm -hmm. you put it in like a real good blown, mentally weak. Mm -hmm. Like you mm -hmm. don't have that like confidence. So whenever they're like, "Man, I can't eat this meal. Why well, can't do this? I'm not this guy." Mm -hmm. You start like mm -hmm. facing reality. It's like, you're right. oh, it's 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 crazy because you know I think insecurity and bodybuilding needs to be talked about more because i look at like the, the fight game right and i compare it to that and obviously these guys will, will talk shit to each other but it's different because yeah. you're in a competitive sport where you're like it's physical you know it's a very violent sport yeah. so it's just part of it. yeah you're supposed to hate you that person across from you is trying to kill you yeah, so you nice should not you. want to like them for those 25 minutes or 15 minutes you're in the octagon and then after you can make up and whatever you're cool but in bodybuilding it's very weird like if i were to sit here and say Oh, so-and-so on stage didn't have good legs or he was watery. Oh, bro. Well, you're – and then it becomes this whole like – weird. You got to diss each other. But it's like that's just my bodybuilding standpoint and my critique. But yeah. for you to get mad because I judged your physique, this is a sport where you're being judged. Yeah. This is a very subjective sport. So for me to go on stage and be mad that a judge says, oh, dude, your chest isn't good enough. It's subjective. In his eyes, it's not. But in mine, it might be perfect. In other people's, it might. So I don't know why people get butthurt about it, but a lot of bodybuilders, it, they get butthurt about it because of an insecurity, you know? Let that go. It's weird where some people are like talk trash. Because I think there's like levels of like, it's joking and it's funny. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're- Oh, bro, you're small or you're not. Fun. Yeah, yeah. I've had people, so I did a, so I do like a lot of coffee stuff. Like that's my job. Mm -hmm. And then like, I just like, like that stuff. So- okay. I've done like competitive stuff within that, which is fun. It's like, it's a different look. Like I like competition, but it's so different from fighting. It's like, it's just fun. It's just yeah, I'm yeah. not worried about getting hit. Yeah, for sure. And people start talking trash. Yeah. And like, I'm like, why? What are we doing, bro? Mm -hmm. Like, what mm -hmm. are we doing? Like, mm -hmm. it, it's like one thing when you're just like trashing someone to be funny, but I'm like, what you doing, dog? Like, what yeah, are, like, yeah. What are we like doing? going too far. Yeah. Like, like, 
chill. Like it, it's, I think it's the insecurity of like, you're not okay is. with myself. Like I think people, pro- like I think people are projectors. Like we're going to project what's going on in here. Mm-hmm. So when I'm not cool with myself and I'm already insecure about my chest, and you know, your chest is small. I'm like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. I'm not small. You're small. Mm-hmm. Like, well, chill, dude. That's, That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And I see it all the time. And it's just so weird to me because I remember being young and going into the gym and like seeing these dudes that look jacked. And I wanted to go up to them and ask them like, dude, what do you do to look like that? But I would always be so intimidated yeah. because I was just small. And, and so I remember telling myself like in the gym, like, dude, when I look like that one day, like I'm never, like, I'm never going to turn down. When people ask me questions, I'm always going to answer them. Like, yeah, there's only certain things I can answer to a certain extent, but I'm always going to help. You know, I'm always going to be approachable. I don't like those, those people that are in, like, they buy into, I call it the bodybuilding lifestyle. Like, they buy into that, like, I'm so hardcore because I lift weights and I'm harder than you and I'm tough and, er, so I can't smile at you in the gym. And, and to me, that's just like corny. Like, if I see someone in the gym, like, it doesn't make me look less buff to smile at someone or for someone to come up you know, and ask me how many sets I have. And I tell them they can work in. Like I try and be one of the most friendly people in the gym because you already have enough negativity and enough people bashing the people. You'll see these guys um, or anybody take videos of someone in the gym doing something wrong and make fun of them. And I'm like, don't act like you've never done anything wrong. Like I've had plenty of things go wrong. I've hit myself in the head with a ball. Like I've done plenty of things that are dumb that look stupid. Why are you making fun of someone? Either don't say anything or go up to them and be like, hey, like that could really injure yourself. Like maybe try doing it this way. Yeah. You know, or just don't say anything at all. But to record them and then put it on social media and laugh at them, insecurity. Until you it know? Happens, right. It's fun until it happens to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's one thing where body – talking to you more to more because I never really thought about it because I don't – I'm not really into the bodybuilding body lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like working out. But yeah. like the more we talk, I'd like I'm making like a bunch of connections. Like bodybuilding and fighting are two of the most um, – well, it's not insecure sports. I think there's part of that. But like – they're the most like it's about me. Mm-hmm. Like bodybuilding is about you. Mm-hmm. It's very ego. It, yeah, it's ego driven. Like even fighting, fighting is about me. Like mm-hmm. when I'm fighting, like mm-hmm. it has to be. Like mm-hmm. and there's part of like it, I'm the one getting it. Like it yeah. needs to be focused on me. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. It's like sell into the idea of the hard work that comes into that, but don't think too high. Like don't mm-hmm. think too that high you're better than other people because not. of it. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, like yeah. it takes one thing. Like you tore your pec mm-hmm. and you realize real quick. Like how I'm human. Small I'm human. Yeah. Really yeah, yeah, I'm human, and and not only that, I like I realize I don't want to be associated as that person because what happens, especially for fighting, it's a little bit different, but you can still relate it. But in bodybuilding, what happens when I'm 50 and I I can't be buff anymore? Like at a certain point, you have Steroids. to downsize. You have to downsize. You have to because even then, if you take that route or whatever you're then altering your health. And Uh, for me, I do this for longevity. So I want to live a long time. I want to be healthy. So I know that once I'm in my late 40s, early 50s, I'm going to have to get my body weight down. I'm going to have to – yes, I still am going to work out, but I'm going to have to be healthier. I can't be be eating as much protein. It's going to be different. So if all I've associated with myself my whole life is I'm that bodybuilder guy, that buff guy, what happens when I'm 50 and I don't have that on me anymore? You know, that's a scary thing to think about. And I'm sure even fighters, you see these fighters go through a when they retire, how depressed they are because fighting was their life yeah. and they don't know what to do now. I think bodybuilding becomes the same thing in that way. And so I'm glad that I don't want to be just that person. I want to be more than just a bodybuilder. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to talk about business, talk about how to make money, talk about, um, you know, helping people uh, in their fitness journey, h- how to help people, you know, overcome uh, their weight loss journey or, or gaining muscle or whatever the case may be. That's more important to me than yeah. me being, you know, this bodybuilder for the rest of my life. That's wise. I think uh, trauma creates wisdom and trauma can be a lot of things. Like, it's like even like now it's like tearing your pec mm-hmm. or like having a child and like mm-hmm. trauma, I think it has such a negative 
Yeah, good trauma, trauma, bad trauma. Yeah. Good trauma, bad trauma. Yeah. But I think it creates wisdom because it makes you look and be like, so why am I here? Like down to the when you break it all down, like the per, the question is, why am I here? Am mm-hmm. I here for bodybuilding? Mm-hmm. It's a part of life. It doesn't need to be to life. Like mm-hmm. I love fighting. Mm-hmm. I even like church stuff. Like, mm-hmm. but that's not my. I'm not here for like that. My worth isn't in these things, even mm-hmm. this. Like, I think a lot of people attach themselves to one thing, and then when that one thing comes to an the end, world shakes, dude. Mm-hmm. The world mm-hmm. shakes. And I and I try not to. Obviously, bodybuilding is the thing that I love the most, but it's not like I'm super dove into where all I do is compete. And you have these pros that they don't have jobs. You know, they have a couple sponsors. They get paid to to promote products and whatever, yeah. and they just work out for a living. And that's and they eat and they do that every single day. So when that's over. Then what? No one's – you don't have sponsors anymore. No one's yeah. there for you. Who are you now? Because – and especially with bodybuilding, at least with other sports, whether you you know as a basketball player, everyone knows who Michael Jordan is. Everyone knows yeah. who Tom Brady is. Everyone knows There's who Chuck Liddell. Bro, you probably can't name five bodybuilders right now if I asked you to. Nope. You know what I mean? And like Arnold, no one – Exactly. Yep. And Arnold is the very rare one. Like Jay Cutler, who's one of the biggest bodybuilders in the yep. world. Uh, you know, and, and biggest businessman, you look his name up on Google, the quarterback for the Chicago bears comes up. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. bodybuilding is such a small thing. And I try and remind people like, dude, it's not as big as you think it is. Like bodybuilding is a very, cause it's weird. Like, think about it. It's very weird. Like if you're not into it, you have dudes, yeah. you know, who are jacked to the gills and, and they're, they shave their body, put these fake tans on and go on stage in speedos and pose. That is not like, it's not normal. What's you know, uh, just because the stage lighting, the okay. stage lighting is so bright that it washes you out. So even like uh, you know African American dudes, they have yeah. to get tan. They have to get spray tan still really? because you have to be very so very dark. It helps you be able to see. It'll it. show all the definition. Yeah, okay. yeah. So everyone has it put that. on. Yeah, I yeah. Mm-hmm. You're okay. like, do they just do it to do it? Yeah. Like, do they not want to be pasty? Like, yeah. No, you have to. Side. You have to. Because even if you notice, like, if you get more tan, you'll be able to see your you cuts see more. more. Yeah. Yeah. So you do have to get that that fake tan mm-hmm. put on, which sucks, but that's the key. Mm-hmm. You get orange and you'll look yeah, yeah and you'll look pretty good oh, yeah i have yeah. guys that tell me dude i have, once i get tan I'll, I'll look pretty good and i'm like dude no you're still 20 percent body fat but yeah 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 but really. i don't know man i think with um just talking about you know a lot of things with fitness and fighting and and you know grouping yourself in these things i never want to group myself as just one thing like yeah. i want to be well-rounded in in multiple things uh in life you know and so whether it is with fitness, I do love when people ask me now how it is being a father. Uh, people ask me about how my business is going. People ask me how um, just a lot of different things are, you know, my family, whatever the case may be, because I don't just want to be that bodybuilder guy. Yeah. And that's why even I had a, one of my clients, his mom came and um, hired me a couple of days ago and she came to talk to me with him. And, you know, she's like in her early 50s and she starts talking to me and boom, boom, boom. And she's like, yeah, I wanted to die. Like I've seen everything you've done for my son and he's so happy now and he, he feels so much better and, and he looks great and he's dedicated. Like it's awesome. Like you're a good friend, this, this and that, right? She wants to hire me. Well, then we get to talking and she's like, you know, honestly, after talking to you, like you should really change like your, your picture on your Instagram. Like you look very mad and like mean and intimidating. She's like, but I meet you and you're like soft in person and you're nice. Like I wouldn't think that that's how you are. And I'm like, that's crazy because you do think like I can probably post this picture on Instagram and I'm, you know, shredded or whatever looking good. And people probably think, oh, this dude just full of himself and this, this and that. You can already have all these things in your head because you see something, but then you meet them and it's completely different, but it's completely understandable. It's the same thing. Like you see someone tatted up to the neck and on their face, you're going to think like, oh, eh, I don't know I feel too comfortable around this person. But then you could talk to them and they might be the coolest person ever. You know, it's, it's, everyone tries to say, oh, you can't, um, you know. Uh, judge a book by its cover, or whatever. But you're gonna have certain uh, thoughts. Just, it's just human nature. It's human. 
that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So her telling me that made me realize like, wow, like, you know, I need to, you know, put myself out there more and, and use my voice more and talk yeah. more. Um, so people don't just think like, Hey, he's just this meathead, yeah. you know, cause there are a lot of bodybuilders that way. And there's nothing against that. Like if that's who you are and, and that's what you do and that's what you care about, whatever. But for me, that's not me. That's not you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm just big on being who you are. I think too many people are trying to figure out who they are, but it's like, you just have to do, like we said, do what makes you happy. Yeah. You know, whether it's fighting, whether it's uh, sports, whatever it is, you know, do you. And I think with fitness, it, it's truly my passion. And so, um, and I've done it for so long. I've learned so much that it just comes easy to me now, you know? So we have a few minutes left. Let's talk about this real quick. The supplement. Yeah. Off yeah. the leash. I don't have any cameras, but I'm going to post a picture on Instagram. So just your pre-workout. Yeah. So I came out with that, not last October, but the October before. So October of 2018. Okay. Um, and that was the first product, the strawberry lemonade. Um, it's a pre-workout. So what, what is it for people who don't know? Mm -hmm. What is like a, pre-workout so What's the point of a pre-workout like, a pre-workout you're going to take before obviously you work out yeah. um usually 10 to 15 minutes before and different ones are going to be for different things but you can use it for energy for focus um for your pump in the gym yeah. um you can have a thermogenic in it uh you know it's just going to help push you harder it's going to help get you amped up okay. things like that for mine i wanted to make it very well balanced i didn't want it to be too over the top because I have a very low tolerance when it comes to pre. So okay. I didn't want it to be something where people take it and they're like, oh, it's too much. I can't take it. I want okay. it to be something everyone can take. It's marketable. Um, you get a little bit of everything from it. a little bit of energy, a little bit of pump, a little bit of focus. That way it's just very well-rounded. Um, and it took me a while to get that formula down. But once I did, you know, I was able to put it out. How does someone even come up with like – how do you even begin to come up with like a pre-workout? Like where do you go? Yeah, so that's funny. I get that question like – the most yeah. and how it started was well i've been like i said earlier i was working at you know i've been working at supplement source since i was 17 it's like six years now so i knew a lot about supplements already yeah. and i had thought of the idea i had a friend who brought the idea to me about making a pre but it's one of those things of when i was younger like 19 20 21 i mean pretty i'm 23 now so even like barely at 22 i really started realizing these things but like it was more of like it's it's cool to talk about, but to actually do it and put the work in, no one wants to do that. No one yeah. wants to do all the hard work, like the, the business else. stuff. You know, you talk about, oh yeah, I could do that. Well, then my business partner now, Edgar, um, he you know had his own clothing line at the time, and I met him, and we became pretty cool. And I was working with him and doing some photo shoots for his clothes and stuff. And I told him kind of because he asked me, I think he'd asked me one day like, oh, what is it you're gonna do? Like, what is your long term plan? And I really thought about like, you know, damn, I don't have one. Like, yeah. what am I gonna do? You know. And, uh, you know, I remember thinking about the pre thing and I think I had brought it up to him like, yeah, I thought about, you know, doing a pre and da da da. And he's like, and I told him that I already had a guy that was willing to go in half with me. And he had said, uh, well, you know what, if he doesn't go through, let me know. Cause I'd, I'll definitely go half with you with the money. I was like, okay, cool. I started thinking about, I'm like, you know what? Like he's a little bit younger. He's more into the fitness industry. He already has kind of built a brand. He's going to help market it. That's probably something I would want to do. So I told him, he's like, all right, we'll just figure out what you need and then let's get started. Like, you're the one who knows this stuff. And so I'm like, okay. So he gave me the, the reins to it, you know, and he tells everybody that. And so I basically ordered the raw products that I wanted all online, found all the raws that I wanted that I thought were good, ordered them. I ordered a milligram scale and I literally put it on my kitchen table and yeah. weighed out sample by sample of the amount of ingredients I wanted in each, you know, and I wanted to do the clinical doses of certain things like, yeah. you know, cause a lot of these companies will make a pre-workout and they'll put it in a proprietary blend. So it'll say that there's 15 things in it, but it won't tell you how much because they legally don't have to tell you. They just have to tell you what's in it, not the amounts. It's a bunch of fillers and stuff like that. And so there might be creatine in it, but you know, clinically your body needs five grams for a benefit, but they only put 500 milligrams. Yeah. So it's like so you say, oh, there's creatine, but there's, there's not enough. 
And it's yeah. so they can hype it up and then they, they up their margins. And I didn't want to be that guy. I'm, I'm a bodybuilder. I want to sell a good product, you know, and, and that's not long-term business. That's short-term. Yeah. You know, you're screwing you're people over. your name when you sell it. Exactly. And I don't like that. So, you know, I start weighing it out and it took me, dude, probably hours, like four or five hours to make like 15 samples. So we tried a couple, um, and it was like, okay. So we're like, you know, let's change it this way. Okay. Let's change it. Got enough feedback. So then I found like I had the right formula. So then. Um, I reached out to a bodybuilder, a pro bodybuilder, and I was messaging some people, Hey, do you guys know? Cause getting a pre-workout made, is not common. Like getting uh, yeah, a supplement. It's not like do you do, day. like, it's not like starting a t-shirt brand or whatever. Like, and even then that's not super common, but like, you can't just find a manufacturer. And so I reached out to this guy and he actually responded to me as tons of followers on a surprise and gave me a phone number. So I called him. and sure enough, it was a manufacturer. So it's across the, the U S but it's a manufacturer. And so um, you know, I got a quote from them. We had to buy samples and we had to get three of those container sample containers and they were super expensive. Like yeah. just because it's an, it's basically an entry fee. Cause they don't want you just hitting them up, like getting these pre's for really cheap. Like, Oh, let me just get these couple from them. And then, you know, whatever. Yeah. So they charge you like a good amount just to like get in. So I do that. Uh, you know, cause I told him like, dude, they're going to charge us. It was like 800 bucs for three containers. I'm like, dude, they're charging dude. 800 for three. Like, is this, and he's like, dude, it's, I mean, it's an investment. Like, it's something we have to do. Yeah, it's totally so like, all right, we each go 400 in boom. We get the containers. I'm like, oh, this is the flavor was, it was, we had the strawberry and lemonade come and it was bomb. Like it tasted super. I was like, dude, this is really good. Cause the way we flavored the samples that I weighed out, we put crystal light in there <laughs> and we just drank it like that. I was like, oh, it's pretty good. So I was like, we should try strawberry lemonade. So we got like that flavor. I think watermelon, which I ended up coming out with later and something else, yeah. but the strawberry lemonade was the best. So we ordered a huge pallet of that. And I remember, well, before we did, we were, I was like, okay, I got it down. So I'm thinking like, okay, I'm gonna do this pre, but some of those things like, man, I'm really going to do this. I'm going to, you know, bring, you know, do this you know, make this product. Yeah. And he comes, you know, to the store where I'm working at. He's like, here you go, bro. And it's an envelope. I'm like, what's this? He's like, oh, it's the money for my half. So like, he just gave me that, that money to, for his, you know, the half of his investment. Yeah. So, so I'm thinking now like, okay, well I have no choice, but to make the product now because you know, I already have the graphics. I have the graphics guy I already do the graphics for it. We have the like, sample. Like we're, we're, he just gave me his money. I now have to put my money up. We're in it. Now. We're in it. Yeah. So I basically did that. We ordered the pre and we got a huge response. Like people were posting all over Instagram. Everyone in Fresno showed like a ton of love, it's which popular, bro. yeah, dude, it was like awesome to me, man. Like people showed so much support and like, I'm super thankful for it. And I think I try and just be a good person and I hope that, that you know, pays off. And a lot of people tell me it does. Yeah. And, and I think people support it because they support me as well. And it is a good product. Um, and we do push the marketing a ton. A lot of things we do behind the scenes that people don't see, but we got a ton of love, ton of support was able to turn around and make another flavor, which was the watermelon had the watermelon come out. People loved that one. Um, and then I was working on amino acid for a while and I tried like seven, eight different sample containers. The flavor was not right. My biggest thing with the pre is it tastes very, very good. Like you don't even think it tastes like pre-workout. So good. I'm thinking if you're going to have aminos that people are sipping on in the gym, uh, it needs to taste bomb. Taste good, and it was like a six or seven out of 10. I wanted okay. a 10 out of 10 and they couldn't get it right. So I was like, you know what? You know, we're stalling. The Fresno Classic was coming up. I needed to come out with a new product just for like hype reasons and to keep that wave going. So I came out with, I call it Off Leash Extreme. And it's basically a higher stem version. More caffeine, more beta alanine, the stuff that makes you tingle. Niacin makes your, you know, face itch and stuff. Yeah. Um, Aria which is a focus stimulant. So I added all that on top of the original formula. Yeah. So it's just like, because people would come in, oh, it's good, but I could take something stronger. So I'm like, all right, you want something stronger? Okay, give me something you. stronger. Here's some Adderall. Boom, because people love that strong. So I gave that to them. And that one did super, super well. Uh -huh. um, so since then, I've really just been focusing on – because people ask me all the time, oh, why don't you carry it at other stores? Da, da, da. My main concern isn't Fresno. People know where to come to get it at Fresno. We have it at our store. My main concern is growing it outside of here, getting more accounts, being able to grow it to where it can be in, in multiple Walmarts and Costcos and things yeah. like that. Um, so I'm working on that now. 
Um, I'm working on – I have a new peach mango flavor that we debuted at the LA Fit Expo. That's that one's good. coming out in the next couple weeks. And then I'm working on a protein powder as well, a whey isolate. So, I protein yeah, yeah. I just posted a video on my Instagram the other day and I got a huge feedback. I had like 150 comments on my post about what flavor people want to try because I got yeah. some samples in. And that's my thing, man, is like people don't use social media to their advantage either. And – I mean, the amount of support I've got, like everyone tends to shit on Fresno, like, oh, Fresno's this bad place, and da da da. Yeah. People have shown me so much love here, and I'm trying to show people, like, Fresno is something. Like, yeah. Fresno, uh, me and my business partner talk about it a lot, but it's a sleeping giant. Like, we have tons of potential here, but everyone is so quick to shit on it. When anyone tries to do something, it's like crabs in a bucket. They just, they pull you down, you know? Yeah. So that's why I'm very big on supporting people, whether it's small businesses, someone getting something started. I always want to support people because I know what it's like. And me getting that support off rip, like, it helped a ton bro it's helped tremendously yeah. even the store i work at since the pre-workout's been out every single month that my extremes are out and my regular off leash they have both been the top selling products every single month yeah. and to me that makes me feel great and i'm happy about that but it's not it's not the end goal i have yeah. you know big goals with this and and i want to take it further but people here have really like helped in doing the la fit expo whoops and um, you know, having people from Fresno, Selma, Visalia come up to us there, like, dude, you guys are here. Like, no one from Fresno had ever done a booth at the Fit Expo. So for us to be there, um, it was huge, yeah. you know, and getting people to take pictures with you. And and it's just it's a super surreal feeling. And it makes you feel like, wow, like what I'm doing is really working. And and you know, you tend to forget like just how short it's been. It's, it hasn't even been a year and a half, but Isn't I just crazy how quick it all happened. Dude, it's it's nuts, but I'm so thankful for it. And I just, but I tell people it's work too. Like a lot of people aren't willing to put the work in. Like I do have to deal with a lot of stuff behind the scenes and yeah. uh, marketing and shooting for it. And and people just think it's cool. Like oh, he's got his own pre and oh, he's probably making all this money. Da, da, da. People don't don't know the half of it. it all you know, takes work, it takes it's a long term investment. It takes time. It takes effort. And I mean, I'm glad that the business partner I have is is you know he was in the Navy and he's he's super hard worker. So yeah. you know even him like I you know I want to outwork him him you know yeah. a lot of the times and, and it's pretty much impossible to he doesn't sleep yeah. so um it's good to have someone like that in my corner and to push me because he's the type of dude to tell me like if i'm slacking off he's gonna be like dude you're, you're slacking off you know and we don't a lot of us don't have those people in our circle so it's good to have that mm -hmm, i'm thankful for that but yeah man to me this is just the start and i just want to show people like that fresno can be something that we can we can have stuff come out of fresno and it and it be a place you know because everyone's like oh my boy in la or my my friend in san diego they have this they have that dude this is fresno like let's and so when people know that this probably fresno i think they tend to think like oh it's just that's just austin i know him i went to high school with him but yeah. then they try and they're like oh and then they see the amount of response it's gotten the, the sales it's we do quality product. and now they see yeah. oh wow like this is for real so it's up to me to really push it and to really come out with more products and, and be good about it so yeah my next my next uh, endeavor is the protein powder and coming out with this really really high quality it's a whey isolate protein um best you know fastest digesting super purified um i want to make the flavor bomb um I'm, it's obviously not going to be called off leash i gotta it's going to be branded off of that but it's got a dope yeah. name um i'm getting the graphics worked on right now so Sweet. i'm excited on that so yeah exciting, yeah uh, yeah yeah for sure all right bro this has been cool so one thing i do with all my guests before we end i just ask them a simple question bro mm -hmm. let's say for a moment you have everyone in the world listening to this podcast every language everybody mm -hmm. and you have the stage is there anything you want to say? Um, honestly, I would just tell anyone who's out there who doesn't know what they want to do or um, is scared to do something because they're worried about what people will think, just go for it. You know, you can't ever worry about uh, – as cliche as it sounds, you can't worry about what people think of you. You can't – All right, bro. So I had a little cut up there. Anyways, um, so one thing I ask everyone on my podcast before we end it is uh, – 
let's say you have a moment, dude. Everyone in the world's listening. You have like everybody full attention. Mm -hmm. What do you want to say, bro? I would just say to anyone who who wants to do anything, who wants to take that risk, it, it whether it's opening your own business or going to school or trying to pursue some type of sport and become a professional at it, whatever it is you want to do in life, just go for it. As cliche as it sounds, don't don't live for other people's um, what they want. You know, you don't live to satisfy your parents or your friends or whoever. You got to satisfy yourself. It's about you and your happiness. Um, you know who you are and whatever it is you want to do, just go for it. I think if you put all your effort into something, you're passionate about it and you put out good energy, you're going to receive good energy back. And um, that would be my biggest advice. Dope. Sweet. Thanks, man. Cool.